today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. As he comes in, as Jesus and those that were with him come into that city, even before they get to the entrance of the city, here comes a funeral procession because they're burying him outside of the city. And here was his man being carried out, followed by his grieving mother. And the problem was, this wasn't her first funeral, though. See, it tells us that she was a widow. So sometime in the past, she had also walked that very same path carrying her husband to his resting place. In today's message from Luke chapter 7, Pastor David asks the question, how much loss can one person bear? When Jesus was entering the town of Nain, he came across a solemn funeral procession. A widow was burying her only son outside the city. Christ had great compassion on her, so Jesus touched the coffin and commanded the dead son to arise. At those words, the boy did indeed come back to life. Pastor David points out that the Lord shows compassion on those who hurt, sometimes even before we cry out to Him. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Faith and Compassion. about this young man who was sick and about to die. So his care and compassion was shown in sending these Jewish elders. Secondly, when the Jewish elders, when they came, they told Jesus that even though this man was a Gentile, he was worthy and deserving of Jesus' ministry, since he himself had graciously built a synagogue there in Capernaum for the Jews. They told Jesus, he loves our nation and he built us a synagogue. And that would have been pretty unique for the time because, again, this combining of culture and ethnicity together just wasn't a normal for that time and place, especially with the Jews, especially with the Romans. And yet this man showed this care and this compassion for the servant as well as for the whole nation and that community that he was serving in. Jesus then begins to head to the centurion's home, and then he's met by the second delegation. These came out directly again from the centurion, and it seems like they were expressing the very words of the centurion as they expressed to Jesus the heart and the humility that this man had. They spoke to Jesus in that first person as the spokesman of the centurion. And he said, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. In verse 7, he says, therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But if you just say the word, I know that my servant will be healed. It's a powerful, powerful declaration. He told through his friends, he spoke to Jesus and said, I also am a man placed under authority. I have soldiers under me. 
I say to the one, go, and to the, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Do you realize, you see how this man, this soldier, this, this Roman centurion, he gets it. He, he gets it. He understands who Jesus is. Apparently, he had heard about Jesus for a while. Being there in Capernaum, Jesus had already been ministering for quite a while in that area. Undoubtedly, he had heard of the miracles of Christ. He had heard of the teachings of Christ. He gets it. He understands that Jesus isn't just some roaming magic show, trying to impress people, trying to gather a following after himself. He understands that Jesus has authority. And he has authority over sicknesses and diseases. He gets it that within Jesus is the fullness of the power of Almighty God, I believe. I believe that he recognized that in Christ. He recognized that he had command over all of his creation. He gets it that all Jesus had to do was to simply speak the word and the sickness would be gone. Verse 9 then tells us, when Jesus heard these things, He marveled at him. And he turned around to those that were with him and said to the crowd that followed, he says, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He's speaking about a Gentile's faith. That has to make the the, the Israelites, the Jews, feel kind of bad. What would he say today? He says, I've not found such faith, I tell you, not even within the church. You think that Jesus might be able to say the same word at times? I believe so. Jesus was blown away by this guy's faith. Here's a Gentile soldier, not just a soldier, a centurion, a tough warrior. And he has this huge faith. And the word says that he marveled at the man. Can you imagine Jesus when he heard those words with his mouth open and his eyes wide? Are you kidding me? This Gentile centurion says, all I have to do is say the word and he'll be healed. He believes that. If we could put it in today's phraseology, maybe Jesus would say, shut up. (laughs) He believes that and you guys don't. He has faith for this and he turns to the Jews and he says, I don't even see that in you guys. And he is a Roman soldier, a hardened Roman soldier. The actual Greek word there is thaumadzo. And thaumadzo is used throughout the New Testament in a lot of different ways as people are amazed, as they're astonished, as they marvel. But it's only used twice in reference to Jesus. One of those is here where he is amazed, he is astonished, he's blown away by the faith of this centurion. The only other time that Thalmadso is used in reference to Jesus being amazed or astonished is in the lack of faith of his hometown, Nazareth. That's pretty powerful. Think about that for a moment. The very thought that God in human flesh could be amazed by anything. And in both cases, we find in the New Testament that in both cases that Jesus is amazed, it deals with an individual or a group's heart or attitude toward faith. Throughout the gospel records, we find a lot of places where individuals, where where multitudes, they marveled. But for Jesus, just these two. He marveled at the abundance and the depth of the centurion's faith, and he was amazed and he marveled at the shallowness or the lack of the people of Nazareth. Verse 10 tells us that the messengers went home 
and found that that young boy was healed that very hour. Healed that very hour. Jesus spoke the word apart from the young man, didn't have to anoint him, didn't have to touch him, didn't even see him. He just spoke the word and that young boy was healed. Some speak about coincidence, some speak about chance. There's others that flat out deny, yet some have faith to believe the improbable, faith to believe the impossible, faith to believe the supernatural work of God even today. So let me ask you this morning, do you get it? Do you understand the greatness and the majesty and the might of Almighty God in your personal life? Do you get it yourself? Do you see God still working in a supernatural way? How great is the working power of your God in the world today? What kind of things is God able to do to your understanding? What kind of things is God willing to do? What kind of things will God probably do? Let me ask you, can God delay your trip in order to have you avoid a major accident? Oh, I had to go back inside to get something. Wow, we got to this corner. An accident happened just before we got there. Has that ever happened to anybody? You've seen things like that? Let me ask you, can God orchestrate your day to allow you to meet a person that that then leads to this God event in your life? Absolutely. Let me ask you, can God supernaturally and in a moment heal a sickness, cure a disease, cast out demonic spirits? Can God, would God intercept our lives in an unexplained, unexpected, and even in unprepared ways? Can God do that? Can He and would He work in us or through us in a way that that takes us totally off guard, totally out of our comfort zone, and totally unbelievable to the outside world? I believe that He can. Some of you are nodding your head in agreement. Many of you saying, oh, yes, yes, he does. But I think if we were really honest with ourselves, a lot of us deep down into our hearts would be saying, oh, he can do those things, but he probably won't. Many within the church today, they're willing to say, oh, he can do those things, but he just doesn't work that way anymore. Someone once said that faith isn't knowing that God can. Faith is knowing that God will. God will do these things. So again, let me ask you the question, how big is your God? The God that you worship, that God that you cannot see, you cannot touch, how big and how real is He in your life? And when you think about the fact that God can be amazed, then I think that we all have to ask that question of ourselves. Is God amazed at the abundance of my faith? Or the lack of my faith. Did you know that sometimes God moves in our lives? Though even outside of our faith? As important as faith is, as necessary as faith is, there's sometimes that God moves in our lives outside of our faith. Regardless of where we're at in our faith. There's times, and I believe that the argument could be made, that it's probably... Many times, if not most of the time, God is moving and working within our lives, not because of our faith, but simply because of the compassion of Almighty God toward us. Our faith 
and our lack of faith doesn't even enter the picture. Now, don't get me wrong. Our faith is needful. It's necessary. We need to be a people of faith. We need to believe God. But I can tell you right now, in many lives, my life and many times, your life and many times, throughout the Word of God in multiple times, God moved, not because of the faith of an individual, but because of the compassion and the plan of God. He simply moves. Why? Because He's God. Bring to your consideration a a, a fellow by the name of Saul of Tarsus who was on his way to Damascus, and God intercepted his life. Do you think that Saul had faith? Oh, Lord, as I'm driving along here, reveal yourself to me. No. God knocked him off of his high horse, to borrow a phrase recently used. Look at this next event there in verse 11. It says that now it happened the, the next day, the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain and His disciples went with him, and a large crowd came along. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. And then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And so he who was dead sat up and he began to speak and he presented him to his mother. Fear came upon all and they glorified God. The great or a great prophet has risen among us or God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. So as he comes in, as Jesus and those that were with him come into that city, even before they get to the entrance of the city, here comes a funeral procession because they're burying him outside of the city. And here was his man being carried out, followed by his grieving mother. And the problem was, this wasn't her first funeral, though. See, it tells us that she was a widow. So sometime in the past, she had also walked that very same path, carrying her husband to his resting place. But at the funeral of her husband, she was more than likely comforted by the presence of her son, her only son, as it tells us. Did she have any daughters? We don't know, but this was her only son. Because on this day, she's walking the path without husband and without son. And the people of the city, they come and they try to bring comfort. They try to console her. They try to encourage her. But this woman's life was now almost to the point of being unbearable. How much grief, how much sorrow, how much loss can one person bear? At one point in time, she had been someone's daughter. All of the hopes, all of the dreams that that come with that. She had celebrated with family and friends, the whole community probably, on her wedding day. Her joy had to be overflowing at that point in time. And then somewhere along the way, God blessed them with a son. We don't know if they had waited long for a child, if this was the, like I said, no daughters, just the son. We don't know. We do know that this is the only son. God blessed them with a son, and I believe that she rejoiced in that. But then the harshness of life came and hid her full face from her. Her husband passed away. And a huge portion of the joy of her heart was buried that day that they laid him to rest. But at that point, she still had her son. A son that day, that would have been enough. 
It would have been enough to be able to care for her in her old age because during that day, children were the social security of the time. Okay, You had children, they cared for the parents. But now, that's been taken away. The unthinkable has happened. Parents aren't supposed to bury their children. Some of you understand that. Some of you have gone through that situation. And what a, what a, what a, what a sickening feel that is. What a, what a hollowness now is in, within our heart. We don't know if this young man had been sick, if he met with an accident. We know nothing about that. But we do know he is now taken away from this woman. We know that this widow woman was now walking a path she had walked before, no doubt overcome with great sorrow. And even though that large crowd from the city tried to comfort her, there was no way that an outside group of people could fill that emptiness that now consumed her life, as well as that very real fear of what the future held for her. Luke tells us that when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. You might think, well, he didn't even know her. She was from a different city. But you need to remember who Jesus was. He, I believe the moment he saw her, he knew her. He knew everything about her. He knew her, her past and all the sorrow that she had gone through. He, he knew her present, who this young man was that was being carried and the grief that consumed her heart. He knew all of these things. He was fully acquainted with past and present, but he was also fully aware of her future, you see. And Jesus, out of his great compassion for this woman, said to her, Do not weep. Do you know the problem with that? You can't say that to someone who's gone through all that she's gone through. You can't say that to someone who's lost all that she had lost. Do not weep, and yet her sorrow and her loss had now become her only identity. She's only known as the mother of a dead man and a widow. Don't weep. You can't say don't weep to someone like that unless you have something to give them. Some way to heal them, some ability to restore them. And Jesus had the full capability to do all three. He was going to restore her joy. He was going to heal her brokenness. And by the power of his hand, he's going to give her back her only son. Verse 14 says that Jesus came and touched the open coffin. Those that carried him stopped. They stood still. And Jesus says, young man, I say to you, arise. That kid had no other choice but to arise. When Jesus says, young man, I say to you, arise. Boom, he arose. Like Lazarus in that tomb. Lazarus, come forth. I don't think that there was any waiting on that. Suddenly, through the darkness of death, life pierced to the very core of this young man. He sat up and spoke. And Jesus presented him to his mother. I believe that we could also say that she who was dead came back to life at that point in time. You see here how it's because of the greatness of God's compassion toward us that he reaches down to us? It's because he does know us. He knows our frame. He knows all of our victories as well as all of our failures. He knows all of our joy as well as all of our sorrow. It's because of God's great compassion for his creation that he even purposed and planned for Jesus to come and to be the one who is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
It's because God knew our frame. That Jesus came to be the one who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. As the book of Isaiah continues on, it speaks of Jesus because of the compassion of God became the one who was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Because all we like sheep had gone astray. Every one we turned to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because we had great faith. No, it was long before we had faith. Of any kind. It's because God had compassion that while we were still his enemies, he sent Christ to die for us. And in your life and in mine, just the same, whether you were raised in church or rather, man, as an adult, this new change, this new relationship with Christ has come into place in your life. Whatever the case, you need to understand that you truly weren't searching for God. God came searching for you. He revealed himself to you. Then you made that determination. Then you chose to follow him. Why? Because he figured he got a great prize when he got you. Shake your head this way, okay? Just in case anybody's doubting. He did it because of his great compassion. Not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal or everlasting life. Because God loved the world so much. He sent his son. See, the compassion of God is so vastly beyond what you and I can even begin to imagine. That's why when we mess up, when we fail up, when we do the wrong thing, he doesn't take us out in a heartbeat. Why? Because of his long suffering, his patience and his mercy toward us. I thank God for that. I thank God for that because if that weren't true, I would have been gone a long time You'd have to have another pastor. But then again, you guys wouldn't be here either, so we wouldn't need it. Because of the greatness of God's love, the greatness of God's compassion, he touched that young man. He said, rise up. That's He had to raise up. And says, and people were amazed by it. God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding area. Why? Because they saw God at work. Jesus did this in order that we might come to know him, that in order that we might know the fullness of the majesty of his life within our lives, in order that we, like the centurion, might get it and understand the greatness. Oh, man, God is so great. I can pray and I can believe him for anything because of the greatness and the majesty of who he is. And that we understand that all things are under his control. Yes, even the mess that your life is in right now, God has control. And how we need to continually just come back to him and lay our messes before him and let him heal, let him restore, let him deliver, and let him fill us fresh and new with the power of his presence. And like that widow of Nain, we can then fully rest in his tender and his compassionate care. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open world. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.